It's called wokeness, and it's a plague. A plague that places tyranny before freedom, criminality over virtue, and hate over love. It's a plague that threatens what millions have died for. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. We will fight it. We will defeat it. We will eradicate it. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the least woke man in America. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another pod and video cast of the least woke man in America, who is moi. You know, at one time, Ronald Reagan referred to America in the mid-80s as a shining city on a hill. Of course, the left went nuts and then pointed out all the flaws of America and blah, 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 the normal, their normal depressing vampire nonsense. But the point is, that's what we fight for here on this podcast. We consider America a shining city on a hill, but we also understand the behavior, the principles, the values that are required to maintain that city. It's hard work, right? Like Rush Limbaugh used to say, conservatism needs to be taught because it's so contrary to human behavior. The left is based on emotion, and that's why they continue to fight for what we call proghelia, the meatless, gunless, godless, abortion-filled, censorship-ridden hellhole across the United States of America, full of climate clowns, gender Nazis, metaphobes, sorrel paths, as I call them, all across the country. And they give us beautiful examples of just how bad human beings can screw up with foolish, unrealistic, naive ideas and intentions, coupled with evil, of course, like in the case of George Soros and his DAs and other foolish philosophies. So that aside, there's a big story that just uh, took place here in the last, really, 48 hours. And you've probably heard about the Silicon Valley bank collapse. We haven't talked about banks and financial institutions collapsing in this country in a long time. Every year, there's, if you follow the news, financial news like I do, there's always a couple banks that fail every year, usually small regional banks. A lot of times there's fraud involved. The FDIC comes in, takes the bank over, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And that's about it. Hopefully, we're not ushering in a new area uh, era of financial uh, institution failures. I was just thinking about this. I was reading the article. That was 2008 and 9. Seems like forever ago. It seems like yesterday, actually. Uh, now we're creeping up on 15 years since the Great Recession and the financial collapse. It's not necessarily a good thing, by the way, that we haven't really had any major recessions in the last 15 years, normally in the uh, capitalist free market economic cycle, you want recessions from time to time. I'm not going to get into details, but the fact that we've prolonged it for 15 years with the Federal Reserve and government programs isn't necessarily a good thing. But that's a whole different story. What I was thinking about, like I said, I was thinking about this, such big names. If you started in the financial services uh, industry as a young person like I did, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, uh, they no longer exist. It's just a Merrill Lynch as part of Bank of America now, but you never hear about Merrill Lynch before. These were huge names where everybody wanted to work and people had their money and it, it was a huge status symbol. If you work there, gone. Washington Mutual, uh, not an investment bank, just massive, grew so quick during the financial boom, boom, overnight, gone. Literally a tr over a trillion dollars of mortgages. So things can go wrong in the financial sector regardless of government regulation, 
etc. And that's what happened here. Silicon Valley Bank. So just a little producer recap for all you hardworking people out there uh, that might have heard about this. Someone might have told you about it. You might have saw something on the internet, but you're not sure of the details because you're so busy being a law-abiding, hardworking, responsible citizen, raising families, etc. And you don't have a lot of time. Now, if you're the type of guy who's stoned all day, living in a free apartment, eating free food because you live with a woman who has a couple kids and that's all free and just a mess and making nothing, wasting your life away. Or if you're Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, you have unlimited time to read about this stuff. Normal people don't. And uh, I appreciate that. I know where you're coming from. The left doesn't. They make fun of such people because uh, they really have no conception of it. So anyway, Silicon Valley Bank is headquartered in Santa Clara, California. We're probably at some point soon we're going to be saying was headquartered in Santa Clara, California, because it, it's going bye-bye. They can't find anybody to buy it. It's collapsed. Um, as of December 31st, they had $209 billion in assets, almost a quarter of a trillion dollars in assets. That makes this the second biggest bank collapse since Washington ever. Uh, Washington Mutual is number one. This is now number two. At the time, they're the 16th biggest bank in the United States of America. So this is significant. We're talking about real dollar amounts here, especially in Silicon Valley in Northern California. But make no mistake, this bank had branches, uh, to the extent branches still matter, in Massachusetts and other areas where Silicon Valley type people either uh, travel to or go to college, etc. Also, I was just reading about a company in New York State that had money in Santa Cl uh, in Silicon Valley Bank. So it's a lot different than it was 30 years ago with the internet and wire transfers, etc. This uh, bank crashing will be felt throughout the country. So what happened was, well, actually, let's start with the basics, the nuts and bolts of banking, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. But if you're not, just hear me out. Give me a couple minutes to explain this. Um, your local bank, just for easy math, easy numbers, easy percentages. I'm pulling the percentages on my rear end for the purest and the legalist out there. Just relax, breathe into a paper bag. I'm just trying to explain things to people. So if your local bank, uh, local bank, say they have a million dollars that people have put in the bank in checking and savings accounts, checking and savings accounts. Okay. So it's, Sitting there. Well, let me get to that. I shouldn't say sitting there. So they have a million. The bank has a million dollars of other people's money. Let's put it that way. Okay. Now, banks know, based on statistics, on any given day, how much of that $1 million people are going to come in or take throughout through ATMs or pay their bills online, blah, blah, blah. So say the number is $100,000. So they have a or 10%. It's probably a very high number. But I, again, I'm just trying to teach. Um million dollars they know on an every given day a hundred thousand is going to be pulled out just to be on the safe side banks are normally good bankers are very conservative they might keep two hundred thousand say in atm machines or at the bank branch or in the vault just in case there's higher demand and the last thing people want to hear is oh we don't have your money that's not good and that's what's happening out in northern california and around the country because of this as we speak scary isn't it and um okay so then the question becomes so they have 2,000, 100,000 of the million just sitting around in case people need it immediately through withdrawals, ATMs. You get it. Where do, What do they do with the other 800,000? Well, let's see. They don't 
you know, put it on a mattress. They don't, they don't put it 10 paces from the old oak tree in a cigar box. You know, there's none of that. What they do is a mixture of things, primarily create loans, mortgages, uh, car loans, etc. And that's why it's frustrating, of course, for anyone who's been turned down by a bank for a loan. But you have to keep in mind before we get into racism and we get into oppression and we get to, well, they're a bunch of transphobes and I'm trans and that's why they didn't lend me the money. It's other people's money. They have a responsibility. That's why they're very conservative about who they lend it out to. And that's why you hear about subprime or other lenders that do lower FICO score lending. They're usually owned by investors, not by depositors. People who have willingly invested money in the company knowing it's a higher risk because you're dealing with lower credit people. And it works out. Otherwise, lower credit people wouldn't be able to get any loans because normal banks like the one I'm talking about are very conservative because, again, they have a responsibility. It's other people's money. Now, the other thing they can invest in is government bonds. And this is where Silicon Valley got in trouble. So in my example, say Silicon Valley Bank, again, very easy math, 200 grand or a bank like Silicon Valley. What, what they did, that 800,000 I was talking about, that's not actually in the bank branch, a lot of it was in government bonds. Now, there's a connotation out there. Well, it's a government bond, man. That must be really secure. Yeah, but the problem is, Government bonds pay an interest rate, a certain interest rate, based on the time that they were sold, right? So the government, a lot of government bonds right now have much lower interest rates they're paying than the new ones that are being sold by the government because interest rates have gone up so much. That, of course, makes those old bonds worth less money. So if you're a bank like the one I'm describing, and you had at one point eight hundred thousand dollars in government bonds at a certain, say, easy math. It's paying 1%. And the new bonds are coming out at 3%. Your 1% bond, your bonds you're getting 1% on just went down in value. So say those $800,000 in bonds that Silicon, a bank like Silicon Valley bought is now only worth $650,000. So now you had, at one point, your depositors have given you a million dollars. And now it's down to 850,000 because your bonds have gone down in value. And that's not good, right? But then what happens is, remember I said on average, uh, people might take out 100,000 a day and they keep 200 around. Well, Silicon Valley had some stuff that's the equivalent of someone walking, depositors wanted 400,000 or 500,000 in one day. So now you're the bank, you don't have the people's deposit anymore because the bonds of your, your bond portfolio has gone down in value. Uh, you see what I mean? So and so the question I thought of, what triggered all this? I mean, something had to trigger all these people wanting their money so quickly. And I'm Wall Street Journal, I'll read it from an article. They had a great recap of the whole story. First of all, you need to know that um, the number of deposits, the amount of deposits in this bank, and it can't be the only one in this position, even though this bank is unique because it's in Silicon Valley, the amount of deposits is incredible. It went up 86% in 2021 to $189 billion. Okay, so that's obviously all COVID money. There was massive cumulus, just COVID money floating around all over the place. The $6 trillion plus that was created. We all, PPP, uh, God only knows what else. We all know about that, right? So, and it's financial witchcraft, as I called it. I was supported certain COVID programs, PPP, et cetera. Like I said, our business got PPP because- if the government tells you you can't legally operate your business without getting a fine, I mean, it you know, it puts a person, if you're going to legally tell people they can't work, you better do something to help them out. 
I wasn't against that, but we won't get into that right now. But so massive increase in deposits. Like I said, December 31st, $209 billion in assets. That's a lot of money. It was a huge bank. And so what happened was, uh, let me get to the right spot here. Um, they started to have trouble. And because of the rising interest rates, the people in charge, um, like, well, this goes back to what I was just describing. They saw, I mean, these are bankers, these are financial people. They saw that the bond portfolio where they had put people's money was starting to go down in value. And so they needed fresh capital. It says, SVP hired Goldman Sachs Group earlier in the week to execute a private stock sale with plans to announce upon its completion to avoid spooking investors, according to a person familiar with the offering. Um, so in that English, what that means is they went to Goldman Sachs and said, we need to sell some stock of our own company to get some fresh cash in here because we're worried about that, you know, and the easy example with the bank I was describing where they lost 150 grand because their bond portfolio was going down. So the, the people in charge were, were familiar with this and we got to get some fresh cash in here to make up for how much money we have lost. Well, then Moody's, the investor service found out about this and, uh, this information, and because everything after the 2008 nine crash, everything moves a lot quicker now with ratings for banks to identify problems quicker. So Moody's Investor Service informed Silicon Valley Bank that it planned to downgrade the bank's credit ratings, which obviously is just I mean, it's bad enough for a person when they get their credit rating drops a bank. Yikes. As Moody informed is. At practice, Moody informs issuers 24 hours in advance of a credit rating change. So that's public information, of course. Now it becomes public information. Now everybody knows Moody's, excuse me, has just reduced the bank's credit rating, which of course, if it's your money in that bank and you just found out the credit rating went down, what does any sane person do? Well, at a minimum, you get concerned and more likely you start to take the money out. And that's where I was going with before, as far as a bank thinking, you know, maybe a, the average day was a, my, my example, $100,000 is going to be withdrawn. We leave 200000 laying around and we're fine. Well, that well, I got out of control and I read here that in one day alone, Wednesday, or I think it was Thursday, $42 billion left the bank, which of course they didn't have. And they didn't have it, it laying around somewhere. And the problem is, even if they did have it in bonds, you have to be able to sell the bonds, make them liquid, whoever's holding the bonds, which is then probably a company on Wall Street, and then get the money transferred back to you so you can give it to your deposit. You know, that, that doesn't happen in two seconds. And it's uh, we're talking about $42 billion. Um, they had $151 billion. Well, they had $209 billion in assets, $151 billion worth of deposits at the end of 2022 which is still an incredible number if you think about it. That is a lot of money. And the chief executive, Greg Becker, tried to reassure customers on a call Thursday telling the bank was on solid financial footing despite the losses. It didn't work. I don't know what type of trouble he's going to be in for saying that. Maybe you know some lawyer somewhere might come up with a justification, but it feels like 2008, nine all over again, doesn't it? Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Oh, poof. The FDIC is here. The bank shut down. There's a bunch of, you know, hand carts with boxes going out. And it's very uh, concerning stuff. So that's the gist of it. It's just, 
And then there's so many more important questions nationally. Um, it's easy to think, I mean, does anybody in Iowa or New York or Pennsylvania or Texas even heard of Silicon Valley Bank unless they've watched the financial networks before all this happened? Of course not. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. But there are lots of implications that we need to think about regarding the situation. Okay, so there's two really important things, in my opinion, we need to think about the Silicon Valley Bank situation. Uh, first of all, it's just so scary how fast the whole thing precipitated. You know, <laughs> a lot of you follow Twitter and social media probably are hearing about uh, Jim Cramer was telling people to buy this stock a month ago. <laughs> but, well, first of all, what happened to Jim Cramer? He is one of these people on the left who never recovered from COVID. He was always a left-wing guy, uh, moderate Democrat, I guess you can call him. Then COVID hits, goes into complete paranoia, wants the military to force people to get the vaccines. It's just everything has gone to hell with him ever since. So he's telling people to buy this bank as of a month ago. And I think the reason why is because the bank's deposits as of December 31st, financial comp all companies report their numbers every three months. So... um. The last numbers we have here at, since it was March, you know, mid-March, is the December 31st numbers. And as of right then, like I mentioned in the first segment, they look great, uh, two, two, closing in a quarter of a trillion dollars in assets. And I think that's all Kramer had to go by, and a lot of people did. But um, they should have known, and I have another story, uh, I'm not going to quote, but from Fortune, I sent to some friends of mine that all the way back in September, there were certain financial analysts, as usual, just like all the financial situations, I have seen this played off so many times in my life, where there's this, the group think is over here. And there's like these, like Michael Burry was with the financial crisis. There's these little eccentric, no-name type guys that no one takes seriously. All the Biden, Obama-loving idiots on CNBC, who if you're cavalier and a contrarian, um, Love to fall on the floor laughing at you. Um, and back in September, there was a financial analyst warning. I read it in Fortune that banks with a high level of treasure, government bonds, as I described the whole thing in the first segment, um, should be concerned because as interest rates go up, those bond portfolios are going to go down quickly. And part of the problem here is the Federal Reserve. Um, there's a lot of people, rightly so, have been so irritated, even on the left, like Larry Summers, that the Federal Reserve moved so slow to calm down inflation. And so when they did uh, move to, it, it made interest rates higher for inflation, to slow inflation down, they stepped out, they cranked rates up so fast. You hear other stories, like back in the 70s and 80s, interest rates were sky high. You always people talk about people in their 60s and 70s. Now they'll talk about, they remember 15% mortgages, which is incomprehensible to the current generation. But Yes, interest rates went up back then over a period of time, but there's never been an interest rate run up so fast and so aggressively like we've had in the last year or so. And so when you really step on the gas like that, it makes the existing bonds, excuse me, paying a certain interest rate, fall that much faster. And that's the problem this bank had. The bond portfolio, excuse me, um, collapsed. Not collapsed, but it went down and then it went draws went up. All the stuff I talked about in the first segment. Um, 
And so how fast it took place. You start December 31st. That was not that long ago. New Year's New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. My God, it seems like yesterday, right? Uh, two months ago, uh, just over two months ago. Great shape. Um, that bond portfolio started to go down or it was going down. They looked to get some money. The credit uh, agency downgrades them, poof, gone. Um, so we had financial witchcraft, as I call it, to create all this fake money during COVID, which led them to fake deposits. Now we're making up for it with the higher rates. And it's the uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Um, I laugh now, but seriously, there's a lot of people with a lot of problems around the country because of this situation that no amount of melatonin and THC is going to be able to fix. So people are for a bad weekend because to if any bank in the country is FDIC insured, the first 250 grand is insured by the government, all right? So if you have 10,000, 100,000, 150,000 in a bank, um, you're fine. It's FDIC insured. It's anything over 250. If you got 270 and the bank goes under, that 20 grand over the 250, it, in a situation like this, you can kiss that money goodbye. And that's why so many of the people who grew up during the depression, when the FDIC amount was 100 grand, which it was like forever up until the 2008 financial crisis, when they cranked it up to 250 grand, what old people would do who were very frugal and had money, they'd have a hundred grand in one bank and another hundred grand in another bank and hundred because they grew up in a depression and they did not want to lose their money because they had seen the horror stories when they were kids. So, and as human nature works, the farther we get away from certain crises and disasters, the more complacent people become. And Silicon Valley Bank had a lot of money and accounts way over the 250,000. I mean, literally, folks, billions disappeared overnight in this situation. There was billions in deposits that are gone and are never coming back. So I think in the Northern California, Silicon Valley area, obviously, this is going to be the most painful. I've read some stories here, like Roku uh, had, I think, half a billion dollars uh, in um, Silicon Valley Bank. That's gone. That is gone. And there's all types of other companies. And there's payroll. Uh, there's another article in the Wall Street Journal about Silicon Valley companies very concerned about making their payroll. So there's going to be a trickle down effect for this. There are literally people and companies who just lost million, thousands, millions, and billions. They will lose their businesses. They will go bankrupt. People who they do business with and they owe money will be uh, go under. Um, so there's a huge domino effect for this, and we have no idea right now what the exposure is going to be. But this is a massive deal. I mean, we're just literally uh, the total amount of wealth in that uh, in the country, but especially in that area, just went down by billions and billions of dollars. It affects real estate prices. I mean, how much consumer spending is that area? So that that is really something to think about. And of course, the other thing to think about, as I mentioned before, for those people in Pennsylvania and Texas and South Carolina and Idaho who've never even heard of Silicon Valley Bank, what's the long-term repercussions? Well, like I mentioned, you had billion, ten, possibly tens of billions of dollars disappear, which, you know, that's quite, especially with the uh, possible recession coming, that, that's significant. And I, I kind of call this the Jamie Dimon rule. I mentioned him a lot. Uh, he's a CPO, uh, CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. And like I said, he mentioned a financial hurricane he keeps talking about, or he mentioned last fall, which is very aggressive language for a guy who's a 
CEO of a major bank, like any corporate CEO, he's kind of a mushy, kind of a chameleon when it comes to politics, depending on who's in charge. All CEOs do that. And that's why I always say that most of them are the root of all evil of wokeness, because they're the ones that cave to the woke crowd based on social media trends and have gotten us where we are right now. But that's a whole different story. Well, look at Disney. That's the best example yet. So he says there's a financial hurricane coming and there's situations like this that given the information he is privy to, that makes me wonder if this is what he's talking about. So for those people around the country who've never heard of Silicon Valley Bank, what's important is how many more situations are there out like this where banks have invested heavily in government bonds, which are dropping in value because of interest rate increases? That we don't know. Well, we kind of know because they're December 31st numbers. As far as, and that's what people will be looking at right now. And you do see the stocks of certain banks around the country and a couple more in Northern California that went down a lot in the last couple of days. I think that's the reason why. I, I don't know, but I mean, if some, I imagine a bank that looks healthy as, as of December 31st of last year and had a lot of the money in mortgages and car loans, even though car loan delinquencies are going up. We talked about that in a different video. Um, it's got to look better than if it's in government bonds. So that's what everybody's going to be scouring, right, over the weekend and the coming days as far as what, how the contagion, as they talk about. The banking system contagion is a big word because one bank lends to another bank and blah, blah, blah. We've seen that. We use the word contagion in 08 and 09. Remember the European debt crisis? We were worried about that because Portugal, Ireland, all these other countries had massive debt portfolios and they had borrowed from other countries. So when one falls down, is there going to be a domino effect? And we don't know that yet. But that's the question is, how prolific is this problem? What have we done with all this financial witchcraft? We're not, you know, COVID set the witchcraft on fire. I mean, it's like the Federal Reserve. It's like, you know, the secret by Rhonda Byrne. You just create whatever you want, whenever you want it, right? So the whole system has gone awry for decades now. COVID took it to a whole new level. No one even thought was possible is creating fake money. And like I said, it's creating fake deposits. And now we're in hyper cleanup mode because uh, the Federal Reserve waited too long. And this is a repercussion from that. So I hope I've explained this situation the best I can. I mean, it's only Saturday. The bank closed down yesterday. God only knows what information and stories are going to come out through the weekend. Uh, the only thing we can hope for is that... Um, other banks have made other decisions because that's the other thing I want to mention. In the age of uh, hyper fast information flow and how fast people can move money now, it makes you question as much as all these safeguards have been put in place with the financial sector. Uh, what safeguards do you really need? What what how strong of safeguards, excuse me, do you need when everything moves this fast from a bank being okay on Monday and gone on Friday? I mean, Jim Cramer, again, mentioned JP Morgan Chase. Uh, somebody sent me a message yesterday. He called it a fortress because it's so strong financially. Well, with his track record, now should we all be worried that the biggest bank in the country, or I think maybe the, the, the first or second, is on the verge of collapse? So it's it, it just, it's, it's the... Again, the trust problem. It's the trust problem that is prolific now between Russian collusion and uh, the vaccine, lockdowns, you name it. Even you can add the Fox News story. I know a lot of you don't want to hear it, but uh, they could have done a better job with that. Uh, so it's prolific now. You don't know who to trust. 
and it creates paranoia. The Bitcoin situation, how does that affect it? And um, this bank was also tied up with Bitcoin. And now we're that I think that all that concept is going to be tested here in the coming years as we get in real rocky road financially. So I hope this summary helps everyone. Crazy story. Let's just hope that it's not the uh, beginning of something bigger. And until next time, God bless you. And I am the least woke man in America.